Welcome to the Death to the Org Chart podcast with Jeffrey Demure, your guide to entrepreneurial freedom. Today, we will be exploring the difference between generosity and manipulation. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, friends. You know, with success comes access. With access comes new opportunities for you and for others to you. So what I want to talk about today is this nature that I believe a lot of entrepreneurs have, and it's this nature of generosity. So here's my litmus test for generosity versus manipulation. When it's generosity, it's generally my idea. I believe that there's something that I could bring in terms of my time, talent, and treasure to an opportunity, a situation that will make it better, and I get excited about it. That's my litmus test for what generosity is. Manipulation, it's somebody else's idea. And they believe they really can convince me that this is a good idea for me as well. That's the beginning of the process of being manipulated is when someone else believes that they know better about what's best for me than I do. We got in business because we want to solve problems. We want to make something better. That's the nature of an entrepreneur. And along with that goes this heart of generosity. We want to be giving to other people, Entrepreneurs are famous for making their communities better, for making the lives of the people that work with them better. It's what we do as entrepreneurs. Speaking personally, I get really lit up when I get to be generous, when I get to share the things that have helped me be successful. And there's a few things that go into into it. There's our time, right? The amount of time that we invest in something. There's our talent what we are capable of doing with the gifting that we have. And there's our treasure, which is our money, monies. And so time, talent, and treasure are all things that are out there that are available to others with us. When I have an idea of something that I wanna do for someone or for an organization in order to help benefit them, something they may not have been able to afford or make an investment in time, or as entrepreneurs, we tend to be visionary people and we can see things that a lot of other people can't. So taking our time and our talent and investing it into maybe a not-for-profit organization or something that has to do with the things that our children do in terms of leading and making a few tweaks and investing a little bit of time that can make a huge impact on something. These are things that represent the generous spirit within an entrepreneur. There's another side of that. As I said before, with success, you have access, and that means that people also have access to you. Whenever somebody says to me, I have this thing and I know you're gonna love it. Like, really? You know I'm gonna love it. As soon as someone says that, in my my mind, in my heart, I take a step back because there's no way that they could possibly know that that well. So, When a conversation starts with that, I tend to be a little bit guarded. The difference between doing something and being excited about doing it and doing something that is perfunctory, people expect you to do it, that's manipulation. And that's the domain of things that you have a choice over. You don't have to be manipulated. And I've seen a lot of very successful entrepreneurs get bound up 
over this notion of generosity versus manipulation. I've seen relationships end as a result of it. I've seen businesses end as a, as a result of it, of this manipulation. When things are not done with the right heart for the right reason, then it begins to introduce this divisiveness within relationships, within organizations, within our life. So my encouragement is to, first of all, to thine own self be true. Understand that if you have something in the back of your mind that says, this doesn't feel right, you absolutely have permission to articulate that to the people that you're talking to. One of the things that I've learned to do, and it's taken a while, and it's, it's been a huge investment of my time, talent, and treasure, is to do this one thing that is really, really powerful, and it's to say no. It's to say no with the right heart, say this isn't for me at this time, and if someone is, is asking something of you, then they have got to accept the fact that that could be an alternative. When people don't do that, that's when manipulation rears its ugly head and that's when you end up throwing people out of your office because they don't accept the fact that that is your, your, you have the ability to do that and that they need to respect that. So manipulation to a large extent has to do with the respect that we have for other people and that they have for us. Listening to something that you know you're probably not going to be interested in, but doing it because you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're kind of completing the, the, the cycle, the circle, that's an honoring thing to do. I heard what you had to say. I don't think it's right for me. That's absolutely the right thing to do. So this leads me to another huge point that I think uh, is part of, a constituent of, and that's um, when, when you're being generous, you want to be a hero to somebody right? It can be a client. It could be something that you're, you're getting paid for, but you put forth an extra effort because you believe so much in what you're doing for, for that client, for that organization, uh, for that individual, that you, you're motivated and inspired to be a hero for them. Those are the kinds of feelings that allow me to gauge whether I'm being generous or whether I'm being manipulated. If, if those feelings kind of well up inside of me, I get excited about a new opportunity because I can see the success that my client can have as a result of it, then I know that we can bring forth a great vision. When my clients begin to say, this is gonna be a great project for you and we want you to do these things, right? We know you're gonna love this project. How many of us have had clients or customers that have come to us and said, I think this would be really good for you and you guys are gonna get a lot of press from it. And as a young, younger entrepreneur, I fell victim to that, to that sometimes. I would get excited about the project and not the people and what it really meant to my organization. And I absolutely believe that's the wrong way to approach a business deal. The people that I do business with, the people that you do business with, they should want you to do well. They should not be trying to keep you humble and poor. That's not their responsibility. If they believe that it is, then you're working with the wrong people. I wanna be around people that are excited about my success so that when I help them become successful, I become more successful. So how do you do this? How do you help organizations become successful? How do you get clear about the two stages that we're on, the backstage, which is operations and production, and the front stage, which is marketing and design, how can we get clear about the significance that those two 
hemispheres have and being clear about being generous or being manipulated. So let me start with the backstage. Backstage is comprised of our teams, the people that, that work for us, that in our organization, we have the luxury of having an amazing operations director and part of her responsibilities are human resources. She does an amazing job of setting up the expectations that we have for our teams. And in this day and age of millennial employees and expectations that might be a little bit different and value systems that might be a little bit different than baby boomers, work ethic, values, and expectations, articulating these things within your organization are going to save you a tremendous amount of pain and suffering. What our operations director has done is that she's become a parent to a lot of millennials. Things that should have been taught to the younger team members that we have by their parents, by their teachers, by their coaches, um, were not taught. And when they get out in the real world, it is a rude awakening. The ones that choose to stick around and grow through some of the pain, because I don't think that growth is possible without burning a few brain cells. No amount of learning comes without a moderate amount of stress. If you're not stressed, then you're probably not gonna learn and get as much out of a situation, a job opportunity, as you could if you just decide to coast. And unfortunately, we have created or are creating somewhat of a culture of everything has to be easy. And when it gets hard, right? I mean, the divorce rate in America is most marriages don't last seven years. 50% of all marriages end in divorce in the first seven years. It's a tragedy. And I think the difference between things that do work out and things that don't work out is this one word that I will use, and it's a commitment. When you make a commitment to do something, then you are putting aside other things. You're killing off other things. This commitment to getting to a different place, a different level of success, it, pain goes along with it. But the rewards are tremendous. Everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to pull the, the gold ring, but nobody wants to put in the time that it takes to train to get to the gold ring. I'm overgeneralizing just a little bit for effect. I don't think everyone is like this. I think that these are situations that come up from time to time, and it's something we need to be aware of. Why? Because when someone in my organization does a great job, I want them to be rewarded. When they go outside the job description, the expectations that we have for them as a team member, when they embrace the vision for our organization, when they help others become better within the organization and the organization become better, then I wanna be generous with that person and I wanna go outside what our guidelines say we should be rewarding them with. So promotions, uh, time, talent, and treasure within our org organization, that means um, giving them maybe a little bit of extra time off. In the talent category, we have an education fund that we encourage um, everyone in the organization to uh, participate in and, and to enrich themselves, something that they're excited about that they can then bring back to the organization and treasure uh, in the form of bonuses and raises. Those are the three opportunities that exist within the domain of that person being generous with their time, talent, and treasure, right? More time and talent than it is treasure for the staff members. And us as leaders rewarding them for it. Now, the other side of that is expectations that don't align with, with contributions that the contribution doesn't line up to the expectation that that team member might have. And that's why it's so important 
to clearly articulate these processes, procedures, expectations, and job descriptions within an organization. Job descriptions is the place to start. It sets the expectations, but the other things that go along with it are the softer sort of things that are expected to, to treat your coworkers well, to show up and be positive, to be engaging, to be respectful. These are all some of the things that go into what our manuals say represents a successful team member. Patrick Lencioni wrote a great book. He's written several, but the one I'm thinking about now is The Ideal Team Player. And what Patrick Lencioni says, the intersection of humble, hungry, and smart is the ideal team member. We have had several people in our organization read the book. Sometimes we'll have people read it before they come to work for us so that they know the kind of culture that we have and that we're trying to create. When there's too much negotiating, uh, on, the, on the backstage still now, when there's too much negotiating that's going on uh, by the, the team member and our operations director and, and the, the managers that they work with, when there's, there's too much explaining going on about why things didn't work out, you know that you're getting into the domain of the manipulative when that happens. And helping someone understand that is gonna help them tremendously in life. Maybe not in your organization, and maybe they're, they're, they're better suited to be somewhere else. We've had young professionals leave our organization, they've gone to work in other places, and they've come back to us and said, the things that I learned as part of that organization, your organization, have created this foundation and platform for life that have given me a leg up with other people and with other organizations. It wasn't comfortable at the time, it wasn't fun to hear those things at the time, but it's made me better as a result. This sense of being willing to come back, that's part of a generous spirit. That's part of a generous heart. On the front stage, what does it mean on the front stage? The people that we work with, our customers, our clients, our stakeholders, they can be guilty of the same kinds of things. This manipulation of believing they know what's right for us. But here's the best way to find out. And this is, I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again because I think it is that important the superpower for uh, all of our businesses as we move ahead is being able to ask good questions and then listen well. Listening is the new superpower. So you need to be equipped with a couple of good questions. I learned this question from Dan Sullivan, the founder of Strategic Coach, a place that I hope many of you will be able to be part of as your businesses become more successful. Strategic Coach has helped me over a 15-year period tremendously. And this is what Dan Sullivan says. He calls it the R-Factor question. It's trademarked. It's his. I love it. And when I use it, the results are remarkable. If we were having this conversation three years from now, what would have to happen in that time for you to feel great about your results? And then just listen. Well, is that personal or is it business? Whatever's top of mind. And I've heard some amazing things. It's given me the opportunity to uh, be a counselor, to be a colleague, to be a good friend to some of my clients as a result of their willingness to answer that question. You can only answer that question one of two ways. And one of those two ways has a couple of subsets. The first one is that the person can generously kind of open up. And what that means is they trust you. They believe that you are going to use that information in an appropriate way, that they are not going to be manipulated as a result of that. That has everything to do with the 
the impression that they have of your organization and the things that you bring to that initial meeting. So that question, you can either, it can either be answered with, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm excited about, this is what I'm struggling with, or it can be, I don't know. And whenever you get an I don't know, it's never good. And it's for one of two reasons. They don't trust you or they don't have any goals. Either one of those reasons, either one of those answers is a good enough reason to not work with that person. You do not want to work with someone that either doesn't trust you or that isn't willing to share with you their goals or they don't have goals. Because if you don't know where you're going, right? Alice in Wonderland, the Cheshire Cat. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So relationships that are built on, I don't know, are fraught with disappointment, with confusion, with a lack of clarity, and a lot of pain. So you're gonna to wanna to leave that situation as quickly as you can because it, it's not a good foundation for a successful relationship. The other thing, the other question that I've learned to ask throughout the years, uh, business industry calls it a SWOT, um, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Dan Sullivan, he shortens it, which makes it that much more attractive to me because it's shorter. Dangers, opportunities, and strengths. We do those within our businesses, right? We do SWATs within our businesses. These are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats within our organization. But what I love about what Dan Sullivan's strategic coach has done, they've taken it to the front stage. And on the front stage, when you ask, what dangers do you have in your business right now or in your life? What opportunities do you see that are out there that you're excited about that you think will take you to the next level? What strengths do you have that will support that? When you get that question answered, those questions answered, you're on the road to aligning and not manipulating, but to allow access to your generosity and to your client, your customer, your stakeholders' generosity as well. That's the framework for a good business relationship is the ability to articulate those things, to share those things, and that will be the difference between being able to be generous in your relationships, front stage, backstage, and out in the world that we live in with the organizations that we deal with, using your time, talent, and treasures in the right way from a generous standpoint as opposed to a manipulative standpoint. The last question that I'm gonna leave you with, I want you to think about is, I've learned to ask this question, why do you think that's important to me? Why do you think this would benefit me? What gives you the idea that this would be a benefit? Just being able to get clearer, because as entrepreneurs, our minds are working like this all the time. Most of the time, this superpower thing that I'm talking about, the reason it's so important is because as an entrepreneur, I usually know what they're gonna say, right? As a vision-oriented person, I have a good idea of what they're gonna say next. When you interrupt someone, when you don't let them finish, um, it immediately reduces your credibility. When you listen and you listen well and wait for a pause until they are clearly done, you will be esteemed in that person's mind and they will believe that you are a lot smarter than what they might have believed otherwise. It's a tremendous thing to be able to do. I hope that you'll use it. I hope you will become more successful and have the right kinds of relationships that are built on generosity for all the people that are involved as opposed to manipulation. Thank you for joining us for the Death to the Orc Chart podcast with Jeffrey Demure. Be sure to subscribe on Facebook, iTunes, YouTube, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. To get more information about Jeff or to order your copy of the book, Death to the Org Chart, go to 
ttoc.com. Go create the freedom you were meant for.